Thank you again for joining us in this online service and this worship. Uh, today we will continue our series on the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And today we will see a very known parable, which is the parable of the prodigal son. This is the third parable in a series of three which the first two we saw last week. These parables needs to be uh, studied together. It is a unit. They go together. Last week, we have established with Pastor Garrett that Jesus told these three parables to the Pharisees and scribes who grumbled that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. You can check there in Luke 15, ver uh, verses 1 and 3. We have also established that the statement that Jesus made in verse 7 and verse 10 is the connection for this three parable, as we will see as well. In the first parable, the shepherd, he leaves the 99 and go to find the lost sheep, which result in joy in heaven. The Bible says there in verse 7, over a sinner that repents or who repents. The, the woman finds her lost coin and this result also in joy. Verse 10, before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And Pastor Garrett helped us to understand that these verses are really talking about God himself rejoicing when he sees a sinner repenting and coming back to him. And this is a key point for our parable this morning. But eventually, Jesus includes a new, a new detail in this last parable, the parable of the prodigal son, which I believe in, in his directing or addressing directly the Pharisees and the scribes, as we saw in verses uh, 1 to 3. And this additional uh, detail causes us to think that Jesus wants us not only to see how readily and uh, eager our Heavenly Father is disposed to pardon the sins of rebellious children and to forgive and receive repented children in His family, but also he wants to contrast in this parable the father's attitude when he rejoices with the coming of the younger son. He wants us to see the contrast of this, of this attitude with the attitude of the older son. And this is what is a key point also in this parable. So two things. First of all, the rejoicing of the Father, and second, 
the contrast between that rejoicing of the father and the attitude of the older son. Brothers and sisters, friends, I would like to say that uh, in me there is no any pharisaic spirit, if I can say like that. When Jesus addressed this parable to the Pharisees, he was confronting them in their self-righteousness. And I can remember vividly in my mind how many times, and I always use our marriage as an example because it's where I believe after God there is the very person that know me better in this world. And I remember how many times I treated my wife not with grace but with self-righteousness. And I believe that in us, there is a kind of this Pharisaic spirit. Because if we cannot acknowledge that, therefore, this message is not for you. But I believe that God in his sovereignty, he has come today for us to talk about it as a church. Because in the same way, he addresses the Pharisees and the scribes who claimed to know God, our Heavenly Father, but they didn't. Who claimed to be righteous in all their ways. They thought that nothing in their lives was wrong, but they were not that righteous at all. Thus, Jesus was exposing their self-righteous attitude for them to have opportunity to change. This same Jesus, in and through his spirit this morning, is addressing that Pharisee in me, and I guess, or I believe, in you today as well. So that we can be brutally honest, having in our mind the goodness and the grace of our Heavenly Father. And that honesty is without regard the consequence. So we need to be brutally honest, no matter the consequence. And the example we will see in this parable is of the younger son. And I pray that by the end of this message, all of us, we can experience the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will accept and receive that in our lives. Which then, this grace will enable us to live a life that is pleasing to our God. This leads me to my first point this morning, which is the younger son. And we will read as we move step by step in the, in the passage. But for now, we will read only from verses 11 to verse 20, the very first part of verse 20. Turn with me there, Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 to verse 20, the first part. And he said, talking about Jesus, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger son 
and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So we see here Jesus clearly saying this parable to answer or to confront the attitudes of the Pharisees. And as we say in the beginning, this needs to be taken into consideration in that unity of the three parables. Pastor said the first two were about things that were found. And this parable here is about a person, a son that was lost. We think that only one was lost. But I want to show you through the, uh, this message that the two of them, they were lost. One lost away from the father, and another one was lost just in the presence and in the house of the father. So the story began in verse uh, 11. And we need always to have in mind the context and also the culture of that time, of those days, for us to be able to understand what is going on in here. And by God's grace, as I was researching, some people uh, had a very good insight into what this, Bible, uh, this parable uh, meant. And we see then the first, uh, the first thing there in verse 12, that this father, we can say that he was wealthy and he has some uh, inheritance to give to his children. But we know always that inheritance belongs to the sons or to the children only when the father passes away. With that in mind and in that culture, how do we perceive this uh, request from this son? The first thing that we will understand here is that this son was really wishing or desiring that his father would be what? 
would be dead. He wanted only what his father could give to him. He didn't want anything to do with the father. Why? He wanted independence. He wanted to live his life in the way he wanted. He was saying indirectly to his father, Father, I don't care about you. I don't care about your life. Just give me what you have in store for me. And I believe, I don't know if I can ask my father exactly that and he will give to me. But Jesus is presenting here a scenario that overwhelms even us that we are or reading this parable. I believe if one of your child, mommy and dad, just come now and say, look, just give me what is mine. I don't know how we will respond to that. But for our amazement, the father accepts that invitation or that request. And the Bible here says that he divided the property. He gave the property not only to the younger, but to the older. While, according to that context and the culture, even in here, in where we are, can, uh, can show that this is a dishonorable thing of, of, of a son to be uh, behaving like this before his parents. And we see the older son doing nothing and simply receiving also his share, meaning that he also desired that. He would have the attitude of putting things in place, rebuking maybe his younger, child, uh, younger brother, but he didn't. He receives also his shares. The Bible continues the story, saying that after taking those, uh, uh, the inheritance, I believe it was land, uh, uh, some uh, uh, animals. He sold everything, cash everything, and went to a far country. At the beginning, everything was good. No problem at all. But verse uh, 14 says, And when he went, spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. And in that situation, the Bible says that he went and worked or asked to work for a citizen of that country, far country, and he was sent to give food or to feed the pigs. We need to understand that in Jewish culture, this work was a dishonorable work. Jesus is presenting here in our own language today that this young man went too deep or to the end of the pit. He was completely lost and even his dignity as a person was lost in that country where he spent all his money. How then we can understand this for us today? 
it's easy for us to have these young men and equate only for teenagers or equate him only with teenagers and young adults. But I'm here to tell you that this is not a picture only of young people. We can be adults, full adults, and still be rebellious to our Heavenly Father. Rebellion is not only a characteristic of young people. If you remember what we have shared last time, we say that unfortunately in Adam, all of us as human beings, we are rebellious and we have rebelled against our Heavenly Father. So this young man is all of us that we have rebelled against our Father. We say to him, Father, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We want to live our lives in our own way. We want to be the God in our lives. By saying this to the Pharisees, Jesus is saying, your self-righteousness means that you want to be in the throne of your life. That's why it's self-righteousness. The righteousness that comes from us. But guess what? The Bible says that our righteousness are like what? Filthy rags. Nothing in us can satisfy God. And this is the situation of this, of this uh, uh, young man. I know that you have listened about or you have watched perhaps uh, that uh, cartoon, Finding Nemo, the movie. In this story, we have uh, Nemo, a young fish, a young clownfish, who lives with his father, Marlin. But he is eager to explore life around the ocean. On Nemo's first day of school, Marlin unintentionally embarrasses him. And while Marlin is distracted with the teacher, Mr. Ray, Nemo, just sneaks away from the, from the reef where they were toward the speedboat where he is captured by a pair of scuba divers. And for us to uh, uh, make this, this story, this long story short, Nemo, he is then taken to be in a cage or encaged in an aquarium. The one that was living with his father, having everything in, in, in good relationship with his father, but with that deeper desire of having independence, we see now him suffering the consequence of that decision of running away from the father. Brothers and sisters, there is a myth of independence or autonomy and self-reliance in every one of us. It is really a myth. We are not independent at all. We are a created being. And our Father has the right to rule over us. When we declare independence, we are going down the hill. 
And our condition in life will be like this man. Completely lost his own dignity as human being. And many that have rejected the relationship with our Heavenly Father are in this condition. And maybe even you sitting there, you can remember your life. Where God has taken you and where he cleansed you. And now you are here worshiping him. This is a very good time for you to lift up your hands and say, praise God, for you have saved me. Let's continue and see the story. But when he came to himself, he said, verse 70, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. So suddenly, this young man considered the situation that is. Pastor always said, before the good news, you need to know the bad news. And thanks be to God that this man acknowledged the situation that he was. The sin that promised him like pleasure, promised him like the best of this life. This sin that promised him, or this rebellion that promised him freedom, brought him into slavery. Sin that promised freedom brought him into slavery. It promised him pleasure, but he will never be satisfied. Remember the psalm that we have just read this morning. True pleasure is in the presence of God. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. Sin can, be, can give us pleasure. But let me say to you that this is a short and brief pleasure. And this man came into his mind and acknowledged the goodness of his father. The Bible says in Romans 2, chapter 4, that the goodness and the kindness of God is always meant to lead us to repentance. And this is what is happening with this young man. When he acknowledged, he took then the responsibility or he acted upon that acknowledge, acknowledgement and went and met the father. But in that context, we need to understand that it was not easy for him to take that step. Why? Because he dishonored his father. And because he dishonored his father, even the community around him would be, uh, uh, would be, uh, would be given the responsibility of disciplining that, that young man. They would take stone, some of them, because of the dishonor that he brought to his father and his family. So while he has taken that decision, he had to say, no matter the consequence, I need to come. No matter the consequence. I know that my father is a loving father, but I need to expose myself. This is what this young man did. So the call to us today is the same. 
my brother and my sister, my friend, as Craig uh, Bloomberg says about this, this son, he mentioned that even has the prodigal son always had the option of repenting and returning home, so also all sinners, however wicked, may confess their sin and turn to God in contrition. God will forgive you. The application for us, if there is something hidden in your life, and I'm talking to me, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you that is listening to me. Know that as long as we hide our sin, that sin has dominion over us. But in the moment that we confess and we live, it's only then we will find God's forgiveness. This is what we learn from this passage. God is a loving father. He will not reject those that comes to him in true repentance. What is there in your life that you are hiding? Will you come and confess your sin to God this morning? Remember, Romans 2, 4 teaches that the goodness and the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. My second point this morning is from verse, the other part of verse 20 to verse 24, and it is about the Father. We see there the Father saying, or the Bible saying that, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and a shoe on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the picture that Jesus wants us to have of our heavenly father. This father is our Lord Jesus Christ, is our God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah called our Lord Jesus Christ, our everlasting father. And this is the picture that he wants us to understand and remember to whom he is addressing, to the Pharisees and to the scribes. They need to understand that the almighty God that they worship is also their father. And he is their loving father. If we see here, uh, there in verse 20, when the Bible says that while this son, he is repented, is coming, 
The Bible doesn't say that the son saw the father. But the Bible says that the father saw the, the son. And here again, the picture that Pastor Garrett gave to us from the first two uh, uh, parables in this series is applicable here. That the initiative of saving and embracing and kissing was not from the son, but was from the father. That embrace was that symbolism of reconciliation. But again, the culture here needs to be understood. It was not normal for a man to lift up his robe and run. It was dishonorable for that man to do so. And even an older man running towards a younger man, it was also dis, dis, dishonorable. It, is, it was not a, 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 a normal attitude. So the father here is breaking some rules in their society to embrace his son. And this is how we see the attitude of our heavenly father. The Bible says in Ephesians that he did not consider be equal God. But he took in himself this humanity so that in him we can be saved. And this is what we see over here. And see the sequence there. The father saw him. The father felt a compassion. He ran and embraced and kissed him. He didn't take bath, okay? So he was smelling pig. And even so, the father just grabbed him strongly. And uh, I saw someone that says that this type of kissing, it's not the normal one. It's not okay. That joy caused the father to grab his son and swallow him with kisses. I don't know how it, to explain that, but that joy that the father have to see his son. That's how he, uh, he took him in his arm to kiss him. You know, a commentator said that that's embrace, which was the symbol of that reconciliation, was because the father was protecting his son from being uh, stoned by the community. Because of that rebellion, the community had that responsibility to do that. So the father went ahead and embraced his son, even before he, he got to the village, in order for him not to be punished. And see afterward what the father did. He asked for the robe, for the ring, and also for the shoe. He is restoring that son into full sonship. Even that in the mind of this son, as you see there in verse 20, he wanted to be hired as a servant, as a simple servant. 
that mindset of works, let me do this to gain back that what I lost, was still in him. But the father said, don't need, you are my son. As long as you have repented, I embrace you, I love you, and I will kiss you. No matter how filthy you are, I will embrace you. This is the picture of our heavenly father. What word we need to say here? This is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we see exemplified over here. The Bible says that he who knew not sin, God has made him sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is what we see here. So Jesus was communicating to these Pharisees. Look, the righteousness you need to have is the righteousness that comes from me. Not your self-righteousness. Not your own works. Just notice that the father didn't allow the son to complete his sentence. He didn't allow the son to say, hire me as a servant. He just embraced him because he was repentant. The love of God is never earned. We cannot. We cannot earn the love of God. God loves us and he is ready to reconcile us back to him. If we are willing to accept the way he has established for that reconciliation to happen. And this is through the work and the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. In the children's ministry, this is a very known verse. I know that. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Friend, if you are deep right now in sin, God is calling you to repentance and that you may accept Jesus Christ the way that will lead back to him. For you to, like in the likeness of this young man, to find again dignity in life. To find again meaning in life. To find again purpose in life. This is our loving father. Who restores back to his family. Those that come in repentance and faith. Knowing that he is good and kind. So what we as New Life Church can learn here, again, is the attitude of dealing with one another in the grace of God. And again, I'm not arguing here that we will not correct. I'm not arguing here that we will overlook sin. Will, you, will we say that this father overlooked sin? No, he didn't. He took on himself, like Jesus did on the cross, 
that penalty of our rebellion. So you and me, we need to extend this grace to one another. Truly speaking, we don't need to be quick to throw the stone to our brother, to our sister. But we need to treat one another with the same grace that God has treated you. Are we doing that as a church? Am I, Pedro, doing that? We need to do that. And we need to embrace one another. Even sometime in the filthiness of sin. If the other person is repentant. My third and last point. Which is found from verse 25 to 32. Which is the older son. The older son. The Bible says, Now his older son were, was in, in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came and entreated him but he answered he answered his father look these many years i have served you and i have never and i i have never disobeyed your commandments yet you never gave me a young god that i might celebrate with my friends but this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitute? Who killed the, you killed the fattened calf to him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate be, and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Jesus is addressing here again the Pharisees. Remember that they were grumbling, verses 1 to 3, because Jesus sat with who? Tax collectors and sinners. But because they thought they were righteous, so they had the authority, I can say, they fought to grumble against Jesus Christ saying oh look he is sitting with sinners and by including this detail that we didn't see in previous parables Jesus is showing that this older man is those Pharisees and scribes Jesus is saying look I am sitting with sinners and tax collectors like the father with the younger son but you are not happy because of that. And why you are not happy? Because of your self-righteousness. We can see by the answer of this, of this older son that he was completely uh, against the attitude of his father. And we see him angry. And even when the father came to urge him to go in, 
we don't know actually if he went in or not. But again, why? Because of his self-righteousness. Self-righteousness will always, but always, cause us not to know our God as a father. This is the picture Jesus wants to make here. I am God and I am father. These God Pharisees that you will always worship, worship, I am that. But you don't know me. You think that you know me, but you are void of the relationship with me. And those like the Pharisees, they don't like grace and they don't understand grace. They were lost. Or this son, this older son, he was lost even being at home with the father. He didn't have relationship with that father. He didn't know the love of the father. And he didn't see him as a son. Brothers and sisters, how many of us, we are now in the house of God. We carry God's word. But because of self-righteousness, we cannot experientially say that God is my father. And Jesus addressed that very clearly. Calling these men elsewhere in the Bible as hypocrites. And Pastor mentioned that already. But when he did that, he also opened himself for them to come and repent. But we know that it was very, very difficult for Pharisees to come back to our Lord Jesus Christ. Only one in the scripture we have uh, known that came to Jesus, which, which is Nicodemus. But again, Jesus wants to clarify here that this spirit of self-righteousness will always cause you to be away from me. So what was the ultimate problem of this young man? What is the ultimate problem of those that are self-righteous? It is the problem of the heart. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 to 9, Jesus calling this, addressing this uh, Pharisee, he says, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching, or teaching has doctrines, the commandments of men. So Jesus is saying the problem is in your heart. You haven't been transformed from your heart. You haven't truly repented of your sins. And unless you acknowledge that, your heart cannot be transformed. Our Pharisaic attitude is exposed when what we say and when or in what we do does not align with God from inside out. So what is the solution for that? And I will end there. Ezekiel 36 from verse 22, the Bible says the following. 
Therefore, say to the house of Israel, that says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nation to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nation will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. See this part. I will take... I will take you from the nation and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I, will put you my, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is what our Heavenly Father did for us in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way we have to change our hearts is, is if we come in repentance before our Lord Jesus Christ. The one that because of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Because of the joy of reconciling us back to God, he endured the cross. Will you come to him today? You that, is, or you that are far away and you that are in the house of God without knowing him as the loving father. Will you come to him this morning? Let's pray. Father, once again, we praise your name. I will never forget my brother that taught me this, Lord, that... Uh, we need to be brutally honest, no matter the consequence, Lord. But sometimes it's very hard for us to do that in our own selves, Lord. Because we long for people appreciation. And sometimes we might be even afraid of their reaction, Lord. But today you have shown us by this parable, O oh Lord, that indeed you are a loving Father who loves us and cares for us. I pray, Lord, let us as New Life Church will resemble this in our relationships among us and that in us we will, you will not find, O oh Lord, a, a stony heart, a heart of self-righteousness, Lord, Help us, O oh Lord, and cleanse us from inside out, taking all our idols and bringing us back to you, Lord. May we know you as our Father, as our loving Father, 
the one that cleanses us from all our uncleanness and the righteousness. We praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in our lives now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.